This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright. And I'm Adam Scalina. Corey, you look like you were wearing <laughs> headphones last night. We're, we're, we're... Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little on the tired side. I was very fortunate, and I will give them a shout out, Business in Vancouver. Yeah. I took a whole bunch of us to, to a box to see the Chili Peppers. Wow. Yeah. And also a big thank you to Chris May, who is who runs BC Place, who also was a 40 into 40 winner this year. That helped put the whole thing together. My neighbor, and, two doors uh, down. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's a good friend. He's a great guy. Super good guy. Yeah. Yeah, so the whole thing got put on by them, and it was an amazing, amazing time. City and Color opened. They had they had drinks for everybody. There was food for everybody. Sat in a box, so you didn't have to worry about getting pushed over. And it was great. Unbelievable concert. One really? One of the best I've ever seen in my life. And I'm, I hear they put on a good show. It's 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 old thing. I didn't know this. I was reading this like the day of the show. That Anthony Kiedis yeah. was like 60 years old. Really? Yeah. And like Flea was like 60 years old or something like that. So I guess it makes sense now. I remember I was like in probably like like grade school. Remember when Costco used to sell CDs and like get the Costco CD with the big plastic thing on it? Sure. We didn't so. have Costco in Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Sorry. Sore <laughs> spot. In BC here, we had Costco. And, we had uh, Sam the record, man. <laughs> Go ahead. And you get the Chili Pepper CD like in high school or in elementary school, right? And then high school and stuff. So it was an awesome show. Like every song you like knew. It was yeah. just amazing. Amazing. So a big thank you to the team wow. of PIV and Chris May for putting that on. So pretty energetic act for guys in their 60s. I, they did not look 60. I was more tired than them and I was watching the show. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was, it was tremendous. You know, Matt had an opportunity to get ground floor seats for free. I think oh, is wow. the story Yeah, because somebody couldn't use them and it, and he was like literally putting on his, his chili peppers, sleeveless shirt, getting ready for the night, <laughs> headband and everything else. And it got canceled last minute. So he, oh, uh, no. yeah, but he would have been there on the, on the well, ground. You know, I, this is a, this is, this is going to sound like a fake story. This is a true story. I was driving into work that day yeah, and I, I definitely had my chili peppers a little too loud in the car. And this guy pulls up to on a light on Dunsmere and like Richards next to me. Right. And he looks over and he can hear it going. Yeah. And he had a sh- like a collared shirt on and he pulls the collared shirt down and kind of on his collarbone, he's got the Chili Peppers logo. Oh, nice. So he's pulled, I'm, I'm hoping the guy's going to the concert. That's, so that's you dedication. pulled up the bottom of your shirt and I, showed him yeah. your lower back. Yeah. So I took my shirt off. <laughs> I showed my lower back tattoo yeah. of the Chili Peppers and my yeah. tribal band. So, you know, cohesively we could go to the show together. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he was, that was a diehard moment. I'm like, if you get, yeah. a, if you get a tattoo of a band, yeah. I don't even have a Nickelback tattoo that will have, like, you know, so yeah. And you have a tattoo of the chili peppers on your like collarbone area. Like what are the odds of that? This guy was like ready to go. The band tattoo. Yeah. The band tattoo, but tremendous show. Amazing show. Amazing energy. Those guys just, just gave it. And like, they do not look 60 years old. That's for sure. 
So welcome back to rock rock bands from your childhood podcast. Who do we have on the show today? So today we've got our great friend Alan over from Impact Commercial. So we kind of did a pivot with some of our guests and they were very cordial to kind of like we moved them all around because we want to get Alan on. Yeah. Because obviously what happened down south with the, with the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank is having impact on their interest rates. Everyone anticipates if you look at a lot of reports like Bloomberg and stuff like that, bringing out historicals and all that stuff of what happened during financial crisis. The Americans got to restore, the feds down there have to restore confidence in the banking system. So typically how they do that is they lower interest rates, which recently they went up 25 basis points on Powell's announcement is, is there, the feds down there are kind of in a rock and a hard place. Like we have an inflation issue, but if we lower rates, we're going to potentially fuel the inflation problem we have. But if we don't lower rates, we got to, how do we create confidence in the American banking sector? So we reached out to Al right away, said, Hey, we need you to come on. We need to break this down for the listeners here. We need to find out what's going on. Because if you look at a lot of these reports coming out, one report or prediction I saw is they're anticipating the American, American rates, not ours, could fall as much as 75 basis points by the end of this year now. And that's, oh, wow. that's anticipating with trying to stabilize the American, the public's perception of the banking sector down there, right? Yeah. And obviously Silicon Valley, which Al will dive into, was probably much more diversified in the tech sector based on their name. Sure. Right? But they were, nevertheless, they were the 12th largest bank in the States when it happened. So that will have impact on how their economy operates and how those interest rates will. Us being a mirror of that up here, our economy is probably not too big, big enough to function without them, that we almost have to follow suit in a lot of ways. What does that mean for our rates? Could our rates come off? Right. 50 to 75 basis points this year, which would be sort of a year earlier than originally predicted, which no one saw this coming. So we reached out to Al and said, hey, we need to come on. We need to talk about this. Get this information to listeners right away. Dissect this information so people can make decisions. So Al's joining us today to break that down. There's so many takeaways when Al's on the program. Super excited about this. Why don't we cut to this conversation with Al? Yeah. No, let's not waste any time. Enjoy, guys. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial, John, Alan, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. Okay, so we're here with Alan Haig. He's the founding partner of Impact Commercial. How are you doing, Al? I am doing awesome, guys. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming back, I should say. A highly anticipated six-pack coming later this episode. But let's start, Alan. Past guest fan favorite. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so you guys, uh, you know, obviously we've known each other for many, many years. Founding partner of Impact Commercial Group. We are a niche commercial mortgage brokerage focusing on BC and Western Canada in regards to supporting our clients with their uh, commercial financing needs. Really pleased to have a, a great group around us. There's uh, eight of us, and I have uh, recently transitioned just to you know the founding partner and one of our guys, great guys here, John Switzer, which your listeners will know as well. He's taken over the managing part duties, and he is just killing it. So it is great stuff uh, happening at Impact Commercial these days. Alan, I, I know we're going to get into a lot of talk about what's going on with rates and the economy and, and, and so on and so forth. But before we get there, we've got a lot of seasoned people that listen, seasoned commercial investors that listen to the program. We've also got a lot of newbies. Can you just describe why you need a commercial mortgage broker? I'm, I'm just thinking for the person out there who's 
looking to get into the commercial real estate world and they're thinking, oh, I'll, I'll just reach out to my, the, the person that did my, the financing for my condo. Is that a good idea? It's funny, you know, for, you know, we've been in the industry a long time and I can tell you what, when I was first doing, you know, mortgages 25 years ago and I was handwriting, you know, the, the mortgage application and, you know, submitting it into it. And then we had the, you know, the approval authority was within the branch for certain dollar amounts. And then it would have to go up to, you know, you know, a credit group if it was bigger than. But, you know, the increased regulatory requirements that are placed on all the different, you know, lenders out there, the increased complexity of commercial mortgages these days, the increased, we're so competitive within the markets now that you just don't have time to make any mistakes. You don't have any time to, you know, misstep things. You have to be so dialed in in order to be successful with acquiring commercial real estate because you know, the competition is very fierce in, in BC. And if you don't align yourself with a great team, such as the commercial realtors, your accountants or your lawyers, you're just not going to be successful. And so, you know, we always just recommend is like, you know, clients are generally the best at accumulating their cash through their own operations of some way, but they're not going to be necessarily the best at finding the mortgage solution. So, you know, don't don't try to, uh, you know, diagnose yourself for whatever ailments you've got because you're not the general practitioner is, uh, you know, work with a specialist for the debt side and, you know, increase your your odds of being successful. And, you know, small fee amounts are insignificant regarding, you know, the loss uh, of missing out on an opportunity because those opportunities can be in the millions and your fees can be in the tens of thousands. So, it's just more a matter of just be focused, right? You know, you're in it to win it. You don't get paid more anything if you are, you know, one of the lucky offers that doesn't get accepted, right? So, 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 you, so if I'm hearing you correctly, then so just when you're building your team, build it with commercial experts. Hundred percent. You're just not going to be successful unless you have those, you know, trusted advisors, confidants, mentors, you know, within your group. If this is what you want to do. And then right now too, me and Adam were talking about this before we hit record here with you. Right now, financing is so important in how you buy properties. You can buy a great opportunity and turn it into a pile of you know what with bad financing. So you know, having trusted professionals like Al mentioned and Al and his team there that have access to the right capital can walk you through, can provide not only not only probably the best some of the best rates you're going to see, but also like guidance on how to do it. I mean, some mortgage brokers will just put something in front of you like a five-year fix and tell you to sign it. Al and his team will walk you through why you're doing it, why you're doing it, how long you're doing it for. I mean, tremendous, tremendous advice that comes out of there, but it's so important now more so than ever as we go into these high interest rates. And speaking of high interest rates, Al, one reason why we wanted to bring you back on the show here, down south there, we've had some little hiccups in the banking sector with the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank was the larger one among, I think, a couple other what kind of went down with it. We wanted to bring you on. We've seen tons of reports out there. Just recently, the feds down south there have raised interest rates 25 basis points. Wanted to get your take on what's happened down there. How is that going to impact us? I've seen everything from, hey, by the end of 2023, we're going to see rates come off 75 basis points, 100 basis points to we may not see that up here like they do down south. Can you maybe, A, just explain to our listeners maybe what happened just from like a high level? down south there and then maybe i'll let you sort of dive into like how would that affect interest rates both there and up here okay so absolutely a lot of questions in there yeah i'm going to do my best to answer them 
what I always do is I put in a little disclaimer for you guys is that, you know, I'm not a, an economist. I'm not Doug Porter from Bank of Montreal or any of the other guys. So for all the listeners out there is don't hold me uh, <laughs> to, to that degree of, of expertise. I'm much more of the boots on the ground guy where I just see, you know, a whole ton of deals coming across my desk and interacting with all the lenders and, you know, chatting with all of our, you know, most successful developers, most active lenders, most knowledgeable guys in the industry. And we just sort of, you know, through the process of osmosis, we absorb this information and then we sort of extrapolate it and, and form our opinions. So, you know, what happened down in the States with, with Silicon Valley Bank is, you know, it's it's something that we were we were questioning because there's there's kind of like a trifecta. There's three or four items that I'm gonna you know quickly talk about with that stuff there. But it's, it's funny I attribute these these collapses of the Signature Bank and SVB as a direct response to you know the the central bank policymakers. You know historically we've always had this mentality of boom and bust with regards to policy rates. And the problem is, is that businesses and especially banks need stability. They need to be able to forecast things appropriately going forward into the next five, 10 years at minimum. And what happens is that when you raise rates too quickly, you have these knock on effects that, you know, businesses that require stability is once policymakers put too much volatility into it then the businesses suffer. And so this is, you know, with Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank. A lot of their issues are a direct result of, you know, the central bank policymakers rising interest rates incredibly quickly, like the fastest they've ever done it. And that's had knock on effects on, on some of this stuff. So it is directly related to that. Now, should the rates have risen to this level? I don't think anybody's arguing that, you know, they shouldn't be at this level. But if some of those ones are the right policy makers, probably in hindsight, they would have said we should have raised rates a lot earlier. So instead of raising them so quickly, maybe, you know, a year and a half ago started to raise rates. Maybe the you know government of Canada shouldn't be on this, uh, you know, drunken binge of borrowing and, and spending because, they're part of the problem of all the inflation is that they, you know, you borrow $600 billion, put it into the market and you have, you know, this, this massive, you know, new supply of liquidity, which has got to go somewhere. So you have this kind of, you know, uh, government policy, uh, bank policy, which caused, you know, these, these rates. Now, one thing that always happens is with these rates and especially for signature bank is that. They took all this, uh, these deposits in from their depositors. 88% of them were uninsured. So they were generally large deposit, greater than $250,000 down there. And they take this money and then they, they invest it. And so what happened with SVB is that they put all this money and then they invested into long-term bonds. Okay. And so what happens with long-term bonds is like you go into a 10-year, 20-year kind of long bond and you're sitting there and, you know, with rising rates is that bond prices work the opposite, right? And so, you know, you buy a bond uh, at a 2% yield, which was a couple of years ago, and you're buying it for 98 bucks. Par value is 100, you're buying it for 98. With rising interest rates, if you're going to sell that bond, you got to sell it at 95 bucks, right? And so, you know what? That's basically where it happened is that Signature Valley Bank, they had all these uninsured depositors. Those depositors wanted their money back. SVB had to liquidate their long bonds. They suffered a $2 billion loss. They go out to market to go, hey, we need to raise $2 billion in, in uh, you know, equity to cover our redemptions. It kind of spooks the market, and then it furthers you know, what the run on the bank. 
And so you've got policymakers raising rates too quickly. You got ineffective sort of risk management policies within, you know, Signature Valley Bank. And then you've got the, you know, lack of consumer confidence. They just started to withdraw their money. So that just is kind of like the trifecta of what happened in Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank is they all had those same characteristics that, that sort of merged together. So hopefully I'm not getting too technical, but it's it's uh, the, the good old fashioned bank run as a result of, of that stuff. And it's, you know, I always love about Warren Buffett and his stuff there is like, you know, who's swimming naked when the tide goes out. And it is, you know what, these were a couple of institutions that were swimming naked when the tide went up. So now backtracking a little bit. So now what does the feds do down south? So this has obviously happened. There's a lack or potentially maybe a lack of consumer confidence in the American banking sector. The feds obviously have to try to backstop somehow or regain that confidence. What do the feds do down south in this circumstance? I think the feds have done what they needed to do, you know, you know, on a, on a temporary basis. In essence, it was, you know, an agreement where the underlying deposits, in essence, for all banks were kind of guaranteed. So it was, you know, it, it stemmed the flow, uh, you know, of, of redemptions. And, you know, so with the stemming the flow of redemptions, you know, it increased confidence back into the market. And and you can see, like, uh, the market has sort of settled down now. It's a couple of weeks after and, you know, confidence has returned. As always, like the big, bigger players that are managed players, you know, be successful at this thing here. They've swooped in and taken the good assets of these banks and left the regulators to deal with the bad assets of the bank. And that is, uh, you know, that's kind of where it's going to go. The, the Fed, I think when this happened, these cracks showed that, man, I, I don't see how they can necessarily raise rates as quickly as they have in the past because we're seeing the repercussions of the speed of which they raise the rates. And, and I guess it kind of comes into it. I think we are, you know, for sure, I'm going to go out on a limb and just going to say is like, we're at kind of peak rates. The, the Fed's not going to be able to raise rates, you know, substantially more for here. And whether or not it, they increase it another 25 or 50 basis points is is kind of uh, it's immaterial because they've already increased it so drastically. But we're kind of at peak. You know, we're we're kind of more optimistic that there's going to be a return to stability within the market over the coming six to 12 months. Do you think we're moving into a period where we're going to see the rate kind of kept the same or do you think this year we might see a cut? Well, I got a couple of bets on here with uh, a couple of the guys here where I think, you know, you, you got to follow specifically for the Bank of Canada, because that's what we follow more closely than the Federal Reserve down in the States. But I think we're going to be in a whole period. You know, there's a whole bunch of different sort of stuff coming in where inflation has been dropping down. So, you know, arguably is that that is doing some of the work for uh, the Bank of Canada. But then you get a little bit of, uh, you know, an update on GDP today where it's, you know, it, uh, what is it came in at 0.5%, which is higher than what people were expecting, which is showing amazing resilience within the economy. So I don't see a rate cut for, you know, many months given the new information, but I do see things are probably going to be you know, flat for, you know, likely the rest of this year. And that's sort of kind of my expectation. If there are other certain, you know, cracks that uh, that appear, maybe in the uh, Q4, I could see, you know, uh, the policy rate drop, but I think that they're going to hold steady for uh, for the next six months for sure. So if we get to the last half of this year, heading into 2024, I know, you know, reading various sort of economist reports at the start of this year, they were kind of thinking rates like kind of like you echo would potentially hold 
for most of this year, but they were starting to predict that rates would start to come off next year. And some reports had the, the rates in 2024 coming off as much as 100 basis points by the end of next year. Do you guys still foresee something like that taking place in 2024 where rates will start to pull back and we'll start to get more in line with kind of where we were kind of pre-COVID-ish? You know what is like, I, I do think that there is a chance of that. Inflation is coming down and the Bank of Canada is predicting inflation will kind of get to, you know, 3% by uh, mid part of this year and I think drop to 2% next year and, and stuff like that. But that requires acceleration of the economy. But then, you know what, you come out to today and the economy in remember it was like a 0.5% increase you know, for the last month. And that, that's that's uh, much higher than what everybody was expecting. I think everybody was expecting that we would start to get into a bit of a recessionary where it would be like a flat 0% increase or a, you know, a modest negative increase. But it showed 0.5, which is you know pretty resilient. So it's, it's tough for the Bank of Canada to drop interest rates if we're continuing to be at 0.5%. So I think it's as steady as you go. Now, I keep thinking that there's going to be more cracks, like, such as the SVB and the Signature Bank. But Canada is just so robust. Like it's, Our banking system is very different than, than the states. Like We have the oligopoly of the main banks, and then we've got our very strong regional banks, and the credit unions are incredibly well-managed and regulated by you know regulators. So it's like... You know, we just have a, a much more concentrated banking system than down in the south, which, uh, you know, they have, you know, thousand banks to our like 10 that we have up here. So it's just a little bit uh, different ballgame. So uh, but I think it's going to be, you know, flat rates for, for the next little bit. Al, I'm just thinking about your business specifically. What what challenges has the, you know, the current rates posed for commercial financing and lending and how have your strategies changed over the past, you know, call it calendar year? Great question. I can say is it's client centric. We have some clients that have just done amazingly well with this thing here. Some of them, you know, really did, you know, sort of follow our lead uh, or our recommendations is, is that we did a bunch of refinancing, you know, when interest rates were 3%, they've been, you know, looking and sitting on cash and yeah, they're paying interest rate on cash, but they've been able to use that cash to you know, get some properties that they wouldn't have had access to otherwise because they were they were liquid. So we've had some, you know, very well-heeled clients be able to sort of get in there. You know, we've had on the other end of the extreme, we've had a bunch of clients that were, you know, just a little bit too overly optimistic in regards to the value of, of land that doesn't have, you know, cash flow on it. And so we're, we're looking at some of those ones and trying to, you know, work with lenders as best we can, work with clients as best we can to, to sort of stem the blood loss. As much as then we got everybody in between. We, we've got a lot of owner-occupiers that are, are still, you know, 100% committed to purchasing their property, which we incredibly recommend. If you know you're going to be in a certain geographic location and you want to defend your profitability, so if you're looking at your margins, it's like you got to own your space just so you can protect it. Yeah, nobody wants to pay, you know, the big nut and the big interest rates right now. But, you know, you do right and you get, you know, a, a one, two, three year term, you play a little bit higher. But if we believe interest rates are going to be lower in a year's time is have that flexibility to, you know, lock in in next year and hopefully, you know, the, you know, five year term and low force. So it's a mixed bag. We deal with stuff that's, you know, a million dollar mortgage all the way up to $80 million mortgages. And we service all of, uh, you know, BC. So it's, yeah, we're completely reflective of what's going on in, in BC, I guess is what I can sort of tell you. Al, one question I ask you and John, whenever you guys join us here. 
with the current interest rate environment and stuff like that, has there been a shift in where you guys are seeing deals coming from with regards to geographical? Are you getting more deals now on Vancouver Island over the past year than maybe you were two years ago or even BC Interior because they have a little bit higher cap rates that can service the debt a little bit more? Where, where are you seeing most of the deals coming in? Is there a shift in that? You know what I would say is, yeah, like the biggest shift is being entirely away from land. You know, land is just tough right now because hard costs are are too high. You know, if you're doing a construction mortgage and you're prime plus, you know, one and a half percent, you're looking at, you know, eight uh, and a quarter percent kind of range for your financing. So land is definitely, uh, you know, being cut off at the knees, you know, quite considerably. From a geographic, you know, standpoint is, you know, the search for yield is is definitely there. Like we we don't have really, a, you know, outside of the bucket of financing for land is, you know, the, the buckets are full for, for most income producing properties, you know, uh, throughout BC. Just, you know, you got different lenders in the more, you know, secondary and tertiary markets than you do in primary markets like the city of Vancouver. So you just sort of have to, you know, adjust it. So there's no shortage of liquidity. But yeah, people are trying to go out to, you know, other areas to get yield in it. And it's amazing what is uh, what's transpiring, you know. You know, with the, you know, you get a million people that are coming into Canada in 2022 and, you know, most of them go to the large metropolitan areas, but then you're starting to see this, you know, exodus from metropolitan areas into these secondary markets. And now you're seeing like a robust, you know, consumer demand for, you know, retails and secondary markets like, you know, Nanaimo's and the Campbell Rivers and the Courtney's and all this kind of stuff. So, you're you're seeing density go there. You're seeing wealth go there. People are are investing there, and so yeah, like a lot of the stuff is kind of getting out into these secondary markets. And you know what, lenders are quite happy to follow them out there and and, and support them. So Al, as a final question here, kind of looking at the overall market, you guys are you guys are a great pressure point to sort of see if the market is going hot or cold. Have you guys seen an increase in deals come your way, say since February? Absolutely. What I can tell, you know, the audience is that there has been, and we've been trying to search for some stability. And, and I guess the best way that I can sort of, sort of relay it is, you know, we've seen the massive increase in interest rates. At the same time of those increase in interest rates is we saw, you know, an increase in the risk premium that lenders are charging. So if your normal rate would be, you know, 5%, well, lenders wanted 6%. They wanted an additional 1% just because they were uncertain if the market was going to keep going up in interest rates and they didn't want to suffer a loss. So they put in a higher risk buffer. What we have seen just in the last month or two is that we've seen that risk buffer come off by about 50%. So, which is really nice to see. So what that is indicating is that lenders are getting hungrier. To do that stuff there, rates are coming down, becoming more competitive. And I've got more just people coming into it. And, you know, is it, uh, you know, are we doing the larger deals now? It's like, no, a lot of the larger income producing deals are just not happening. They, they still need interest rates to come off, you know, or the purchase prices to go down. So we're in that little mushy middle. But for the most part is, is like a lot of inquiries are coming in. People are looking to deploy money. They've been sitting on their money for, you know, a year. They think it's the, the interest rates have peaked and they think they're going to come down. So they're looking at good properties now. So we're just seeing more activity, doing a whole bunch of smaller little, uh, you know, sub $10 million ones. And we just think that this is, you know, the the mushy middle. And within probably, you know, the next three months is like we're, we're thinking that there's going to be some much greater strength within the real estate market. Assuming no, like black swan events going to come out there. 
Al, we always appreciate you taking time to come join us on the show. You're a fan favorite and highly requested by a lot of guests that we get emails from asking when you're next on. But before we let you go, you know the drill. We've got our six-pack of lighthearted questions here. we got to ask you, and because you've been on so many times, you're forcing our hand and you're making us think we have to change these questions on you. Do you have a few more minutes for us? <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know how many more questions you can give me on this stuff here. I'm hoping I can come up with some quick, witty answers right on time. The six-pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team, these are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. Okay, so me and Adam, we're having to brainstorm some new questions here just because I think we've asked you all of them here. So we're going to start off with favorite sport and sport team. Oh, Jesus. You know, without question, favorite sport is hockey. Favorite team. Like, I grew up kind of, you know, a little bit more of the, the Philadelphia Flyers when Eric Lindros was on there. You know, but I think my, uh, yeah, i got to go with the Canucks right now. Got to go with the Canucks. See, this is, so the Canucks probably this year and last year were probably the best team in the league for the last 20 games, but we're probably the worst team in the league for the first 20. So it's like, if we can just sort of have a decent start, we might find ourselves in the playoffs. The guys are off to a, a fairly good end here to the year with the Rick Tockett era. Yeah, PD is killing our draft odds. I'm not really happy <laughs> with him right now. He needs to dial it back and, uh, you know, let's go for Bedard. Yeah, yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what happens if a guy like Bedard ends up in San Jose or Arizona, how that will how that will impact the NHL's decision on marketing. Next question yeah. up, Al. Favorite dream car? You have, a, you have an endless budget. You can buy anything you want. What car are you buying and why? That's an easy one. The James Bond Aston Martin. Oh, that was quick. It's a good choice. It's a good choice. That, it's always been like a, well, the point of my dream is to do that stuff there. So it's, that one's just always a sentimental favorite. Something you've bought for $1,500 or less has had a positive impact on your life this year. $1,500. You know what? I would probably say that's had a meaningful impact. Probably, you know, a nice Valentine's Day gift and roses for my wife. It was uh, well-timed, good opportunity, and well-received. That's a good answer. That's a, that's a great answer, by the way. <laughs> Post-COVID era at the workplace, are you in a suit and tie or a sweater and a collared shirt? Oh, you know what? It's uh, definitely not the suit and tie. No, I did uh, 20 years suit and tie, and uh, yeah, we're uh, we're not quite there, and not quite there anymore. But definitely uh, nice dress shoes, dress pants or jeans, and uh, collared shirt. No ties. Uh, don't want to ever wear a tie again. Piece of advice for our listeners in the current market environment: someone looking to buy an investment property, or maybe an owner occupier looking to buy something here right now, knowing the current circumstances out there. A piece of advice you can give them from a lending standpoint? From a lending standpoint, it really just goes to preparation and knowledge. You know, we had hinted earlier on is like, you got to get your team. And so I, I can't stress this enough uh, is that, you know, commercial real estate market is incredibly competitive. And so it is find your commercial realtor, you know, somebody that you trust, you know, you know, get them on board, find your commercial mortgage broker, you know, meet with them, you know, figure out what you can afford, have them model out, you know, some, uh, you know, some scenarios for you so that you can, again, just add another prepared statement or preparation on that. 
you know, talk with a lawyer, you know, if you're not familiar with, uh, you know, how to, to, how to hold a commercial property, like under a corporation name is like, find out that information. Because again, like if you want to get into it is the market is, you know, is very competitive, you know, a little bit different than, than the residential, not saying that residential is, a, is a, any less competitive, but you know, a lot more sharks in the uh, commercial area than in the residential area. So Al, Fan favorite, as I said earlier, how can those guests that don't know how to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you and find out all the great stuff you guys are doing over at Impact Commercial? Well, the easiest way is just jump on our website, www.impactcommercial.ca. Jump on there. We got fantastic guys here. It's like, you know, myself, we got John, Matt, George. It's all great. So reach out to any one of us. If you want to just reach out to me, it's like always easy. My email address is on there, but you can give me a call at 604 999-2265. Always there to have a call and discuss any kind of needs that the listeners may have. Amazing. Al, thank you once again for taking the time to to join us today, breaking down a little bit of what's happening down south and how that may or may not impact us up here and also giving us an overview of where we're at with interest rates and where we're heading. Thank you once again, Al. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Carl. Always love coming on this show. You guys do such a great job. Thanks, Al. Take care. There you have it, folks. Our interview with Alan Haig, co-founder, Impact Commercial Group. You know, really enjoyed that conversation with Alan, Corey. And man, I got to say, just a quick shout out. We've worked with, you've worked with Alan for years. I worked with Alan recently in the last year or so. They really know what they're doing there. Tremendously. Fantastic. So, and it's funny, I get this question a lot because... Don't think that financing in commercial and residential are the same. If, you, if you're out there and you're thinking about getting into commercial real estate, reach out to a commercial mortgage broker and actually talk to somebody that really understands the industry and, and, and how to sort you out with financing because qualifications, what you need to qualify is completely different. 100%. And even right now to these high interest markets out there, right. the interest rates and how you finance these properties is more important now than ever, whether you're buying it for long-term hold development site, owner-occupier opportunity, repositioning the building, the interest rates and the financing and how you finance it now is more important than ever. So don't assume that when you pick up the phone and you call a mortgage broker, that that mortgage broker gets access to the same capital, the same capital markets as everybody else. You need to have experience right now because the biggest difference between, you can take a great property and turn it into, and turn it into a dud if yeah. you apply bad financing. You can take a great, you can take a good property finance it properly and make it a great property to hold in the short term. And then as you reposition and do it later. So I can't stress enough how important the financing aspect is right now and will be for the foreseeable future. You've got to go to people that know what they're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great advice. Well, Corey, if people want to get in touch with you or anybody from the William Wright team, how can they do so? They can reach out to us anytime at our, our Vancouver office, 604-428-5255. They can send me an email, Corey at WilliamWright.ca. I always love hearing from everyone on their thoughts on the show, or they can visit our website, williamwright.ca, sign up for the latest and greatest news. Well, great. Well, have a good week, everybody. And we will see you next week with some more great content. Excellent. Thanks for listening, guys. Subscribe today.